Thank you for tuning in. My prayer is that this message is going to be an encouragement to you personally and will cause great growth in your life. It's time to live and it's time to take this next step forward. God bless you as you listen. Get your Bibles cracked open. Genesis, it's the first book in the Bible, Genesis chapter 17. I want you to follow along there. And um, while you're getting your notes out and your Bibles out, Get all that, get yourself all situated. Uh, one of the things of why I believe that we should always just take notes is because I really believe that God speaks in settings like this. Uh, you know, it's, it, there may just be one little line that I share in this message, and that was just for you. And, and I, I always pray that God will customize the messages for every single person in the room. And so that's what I'm, pr- I'm praying for for today as well. So just jot down, you know, you're like, man, that, that really speaks to Mark. That way you're able to jot it down. Um, but. <clears throat> As you're getting your Bibles open and uh, all set up, Bible apps, I, uh, I got to tell you this quick little story. I had an interesting encounter this week, and I was, uh, it, it had been a long day, and I was on the treadmill uh, in the evening, and I'd gone, and I just, and I, I don't run on the treadmill ever since I had my, since I broke my patella, my knee has just never really kind of worked. I'd just be careful, I have to be careful about running. So, but, but I'll do it like, I get, get my cardio going as, as good as I can on the, on the, uh, the treadmill, and, and I'll listen to a podcast, you know, maximizing my time, you know, redeeming the time, so I, I'm, I'm building my, my intellect and all of that, because it needs a lot of help, and, uh, and keeping myself physically healthy, doing all that same so I'm just going along, and, and as, I'm, as I'm working out, kind of a you know, mild little workout thing, I just feel this tap on my shoulder. Now, I'll just tell you, you normally don't feel a tap on your shoulder when you're on a treadmill. That was just kind of an odd thing to start off with, and so, so I, I paused, and as I kind of got on the little sides of it, and, and the treadmill was still going, and, and some guy was trying to talk to me. I'm like, oh, sorry, got to turn this off, and turned it all off. I said, yeah. He, he said, uh, <laughs> he said, what's your name? And, you know, he, he was standing down there. It's not like he was short or anything, but you know how the treadmill's up higher. And so I was kind of looking, I said, looking behind him. Like, he goes, what's your name? I said, well, uh, Tim. <laughs> he goes, and Tim what? I said, uh, Tim Woody? Think, okay, you guys, you got to understand this. This is weird. Just a person, I I've never seen the dude before. He's probably about 60 years old. I've just never seen him. He's just like, what are you doing here? Why are you just walking up to me asking my name? That's just, that was, you guys know that would be weird. All right. And so he was asking my name and, and I thought, does he know me? He doesn't go to our church. I don't think, I don't know. Maybe he came and maybe I didn't say hi to him. And I don't know. I just don't know what's, what's going on. And so, so he, uh, uh, then he said, oh, you're, you're Timothy Woody. I'm like, oh, okay, now, now it's getting weirder because that is my given name, uh, Timothy Woody. And I, I said, said, yeah, that's, that's me. He goes, okay, then this must be yours. And he hands me my wallet. And he said, don't worry everything's in it. We took good care of it for you. And I'm first of all, like, we, who's the we? I, so my mind's kind of going, and, and he goes, everything's there. And I, I, like, I trusted him. I trusted him. I didn't even open it to look to you know, see. It's like, well, you know, there's not much in there anyway, but still, it, I, I was totally shy. And then I, I was holding in my hand and I said, where did you find this? Because I'd been at the gym for about an hour at this point. He goes, oh, I found it out laying in the middle of the parking lot. <laughs> that is crazy. So I, uh, I was like, well, well, thank you, sir. And I, I took the wallet and I just stand there. I was like, well, I, I can't keep like working out with my wallet here. And, 
And I stood there for about five seconds, and I was like, and then I thought, well, I just need to invite this guy to church because I, I like do that. But I was he he I, I couldn't think of what to do next after he gave me my wallet. So I, I it's like I started to turn and looked around. Well, the guy was gone. I mean, it was just like five seconds. He was gone. Poof. Now it could have been an angel. I like to think it was an angel. It could have just been someone sent by God. But I did kind of kept my eyes open in the gym, and he was wearing street clothes. He wasn't even wearing gym clothes. So. I thought, well, this was weird. This was weird, but thank God I've got my wallet back. And, and I, I went back to the locker room to get, get my keys to my car to you know, do something to get rid of this wallet. And I, then I did, of course, open it up and look through it. And went, well, pretty much looks like what's in there is there. Uh, and I was, I was just really, really impressed with that moment. And it made me think, wow. The big question was, what's your name? And... It came down to Timothy Woody, the name my dad and mom gave to me over a half century ago. And I just started thinking about that. That's, that's my identity. It's been given to me by my dad and my mom. And, and, uh, and Rebecca and I, we've, we came up with names for our sons that they carry with them also. And, and they also carry my surname, Woody. And, and that actually perpetuates into the future. You just think of what, what that little one decision that your parents make, it stays with you for life. It's incredible. And, it, and at that moment, at the gym, my name, <laughs> which goes way back <laughs> to the 1960s when my parents named me, my past all of a sudden spoke into my present and got me thinking about how that name is used in the future. It was just kind of an interesting moment for me. I just paused and thought, the power of a name. Um, and, and it's really the power of legacy also. Think about your name. What legacy will your name perpetuate? What legacy will your church perpetuate? What, what legacy will your family perpetuate? I want you to think about that. Because in a world of lost ambition and hopelessness, that is a huge, huge question. Um, you know, it's, it's natural for people, you know, moving into life to be very optimistic and bright-eyed about the future. You guys remember kindergarten, don't you? Kindergarten is where uh, they ask you, what are you going to be when you grow up? And I remember what people would say. Uh, they would say things like, I'm going to be a firefighter, right? Uh, and when I was a kid, it, you know, half the kids were going to be astronauts because that was a big day of people walking on the moon. So firefighters, astronauts, police officers, the president. Uh, it was just all kinds of interesting things like that. And, but there were just, you know, really about seven or eight things that people were going to be when they grew up. And, uh, and it's just incredible how how we tend to look at things that like the world is just a, this wonderful open place for us, but how many of those people actually walked into those roles? Probably none. <laughs> I certainly know none of the people I went to school with became the president. But what happens in our lives is at some point, reality hits, and we start then comparing ourselves to other people. And it's perpetuated by this world of what I can just call like phony social media where people prop themselves up, make themselves look really good, and then we start comparing ourselves to that, and it's also fake. And, and then life, life starts to become deflating. But there's, that affects all of us, but then there's something that's even a lot worse than that. I mean, some of you, you may have experienced just some really bad parenting. Uh, maybe you were the helpless victim of abuse. It could have been verbal abuse maybe physical abuse, possibly sexual abuse. 
Maybe you experienced neglect. Uh, you had to fend for yourself, and, and, it, and it's just like, like everything that could be good isn't good. And, and it seems like then as you're growing up, like your destiny is being ripped from you because of someone else's doing. <laughs> and it's no fault of your own. Your parents, they, they didn't encourage you, but they discouraged you. Everybody else seemed to have better parents than you, you know? You grew up feeling beat down. I feel like you're just on your own. You've got to fix this world on your own. Or, or maybe it's, it's problems that you even created yourself. You, uh, your negligence, your short-sightedness, or possibly your sin, or your self-indulgence, it created this big mess, and now you've got this mess hanging around you, and you don't know what to do with it, and you're like, you begin to say, well, I'm a disaster. I am just nothing. It is nothing but a disaster. Like, everything from my past is screaming at me, defeat, defeat, defeat. And I'm telling you, the culture of the world, and even the spirit of the world will put that on you. You are no good. There's defeat. And the past is the past, and there's no getting rid of it. I can't let go. But I have a big question for you today. Are you going to let your past dictate your future? Are you going to let your past define your future, or are you going to begin to live your legacy today? That's the big question. The title of my message is therefore entitled, uh, My Past and My Future. My Past and my future, because we have a choice to make. Are, we going to, are you going to allow the same curse to be passed on to another generation, or are you going to correct the course? Are you going to set yourself up for legacy, for a future, for, for your children and your grandchildren, the people who come after you, who, whom you, you, you touch in life and you influence in life, or you're just simply going to walk through life, mark time, and you're going to just remain burned by the hurts and the pains that were inflicted on you? And you're, are you just going to keep reliving it over and over, the, the fallout of your own bad decisions, and just say, well, this is just the way it is? Well, I don't want that for you. God doesn't want that for you. And I'm here to tell you, you can be an overcomer. You can be no matter what's come against you in life, hear me well, you can build legacy. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Regardless of the pain that you even feel from all of that that happened, the future is yours for the taking. You guys gotta know this. It's really time for you to quit believing that you're not good enough. And and the, the, the pettiness of the world we live in today makes us feel like we're not good enough for a million different reasons. Like, we actually feel like, well, you're not good enough because you don't drive the right car or your social life isn't what, what someone else's is or you're not eating enough vegetables or you're not getting in 10,000 steps a day or you don't have this ideal romantic relationship so you're just not good enough. It's time, time to end that kind of thought, thought processes that are really uh, controlling our lives. Really, that kind of stuff is wearing you out. Your legacy and your future it becomes sketchy because you can't make any sense of where you are right now based on the past. And some of you, your legacy, your future is sketchy because you're still trying to please your dad. And you're not even living with your dad anymore. Right, for some of you, your dad doesn't even live anymore. He's dead. Why are you trying to still please your dad? Some good questions there to think about, guys. See, this church, we serve as, we're here to serve you as a a guide 
to walk down the pathway of Jesus, to equip you for a dynamic future. It's because that is what God is all about. That is what the church is all about, to get you ready for a dynamic future. You know what God says? God says, leave your past behind you and press on into the future. God wants to create legacy and future for you, and he wants you to work side by side with him to create it. Legacy is actually one of our core values around here at our church. We have four primary core values. Legacy is one of them. Here's how we define it. Legacy says this, we value and equip and fuel the potential of the next generation. Now you see, I wanna break this down for you a little bit here because there's three words that are value, equip, and fuel. What is it? It's just, it's this. It's we value your potential. We equip you because you do have potential and we're gonna dump fuel on you so you can excel into your potential. All right, the next part of that statement says this. It says, we have a great responsibility to those younger than us. Now, this, this is put into our official church documents for a reason. Because legacy is about, a, it's, it's, it's about investing in people who are younger than you. Um, that means you, me, all of us, we have responsibility to anyone who's younger than us. And really, the older you get, the greater the responsibility becomes, and it's a good thing. See, the way it works is a balance that God said. That, that, that responsibility grows as you grow older for, for building legacy and investing in the next generation. And then also we honor a person the older they get as well. That's, that's the way we're supposed to do it. That's, that's actually how the balance works there. But this goes for your home. It goes for work. It goes for your community. And it also goes for your church. And, and, and I want to demonstrate this for you. Uh, and so I'm going to ask for some audience participation. Can you guys help me out? All right, here we go. I'm going to ask you to, to, do, to move around, do a little something here. It's not too difficult. Really, really simple. So here's the, here's the big question. If you, I, in fact, here's the one. I want everybody to stand. Everybody stand. Just, just stand up all across. You're not going to have to leave your seat. I'm not going to make you jump or dance or do anything like that, okay? That's Jordan's job. But, but here's what I'm going to have you do is if you are, if you are 70 or above, have a seat. Now, I happen to know there's only one person who sat down. And as that person looks around, you have great responsibility to all these people that are still standing. Now, I'd like, to, I'd like it if you are 60 and above, sit down. If you're 60 and above, sit down. 60 and above, sit down. Well, we now have a, maybe a whole three people sitting down in this auditorium. That's, 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 a, that's a joy of our church. I love it, though. But, that, but I want you to look around at the people that are standing. You have great responsibility toward them. Now, if you are 45 or above, sit down. All right, come on, sit down, because you're getting tired of standing awake because you're so old, 45-year-old people. <laughs> 45 or above. Now we probably have maybe 15, 10% of, of the people in here sitting down. Now, look around. Here, understand this. Look at the people that are standing. You have great responsibility to the people who are standing. Now, if you are 30 and above, sit down, sit down. 30 and above, sit down. Now, start looking around. Look around. Come on, look around. Look around. If you're sitting, look around. You have great responsibility to these people. Now, sit down. Do you guys catch the illustration here? Y'all can sit down now. What I wanted to show you is we all have different levels of responsibility. We have huge responsibility toward anyone who's of a younger generation than us. 
Now, I want you to move on to the next part here. The next part of the statement says, we recognize that there is great potential in the next generation, that's good, with huge opportunity for both good and evil. So there's, there is potential dropped into the hearts of every person. But as a person who understands legacy, you're going to look at the potential in people who are younger than you. And you'll see the potential and understand that potential is there, but that potential can be, be used for good or evil. So what we do as a church is we focus on pulling out and extracting the good. That's important to us. That's important that we do that. So, so we, we see this is that we recognize there's huge potential for both good and evil. Now, I, I want you to look at the next part of the statement because it says this. This is the answer to it. It says, we choose to bring out the good by doing three things, discipling, loving, and relating to those who follow us. Discipling people, that just means you're gonna take people on a spiritual journey to, to get closer to God and to, and to work in their lives. You're gonna love people regardless of, of, uh, of, of whatever's happening with them. You're gonna love unconditionally. You're gonna show it, and you're gonna demonstrate it. You're going to relate to them. So, so that's actually how we do this thing called legacy, and it's a very, very important part of the DNA of this church, and it's really all not, not all that difficult just means you're going to care about somebody who's a little younger than you. The children and the teenagers of this house, they should never go without quality mentorship. Never. Never. There's so much potential in them, and we have to mentor the good out of them. We don't even know the situations every one of these kids are walking out of. We're going to pull the good out of them. Part of the Church I Dream statement, which is up in the vestibule out there, and please understand that statement is, is, is about what, what, you know, what, what I believe this church could look like in the future. <laughs> Ten years down the road, the Church I Dream, this one statement is out there, says, the Church I Dream is committed to the younger generation by raising up world changers. I really want to see that happen. It's your responsibility, our responsibility, by doing what? Educating, empowering, and releasing them into their destinies. See, this is a vision. This is, this is a a, a a dream that you can actually get behind, right? So, I, so because that's part of us, I want to tell you right now, because it, it really comes down to us as individuals, stop letting your past dictate your future because you can't even begin to do this for others if you're still held, holding your own life back. Now, I'm going to have you look in Genesis chapter 17 so that you can begin to see how this works out. So, in Genesis 17, there's this passage of scripture about a man that God spoke to and said, I have a whole new future for you, and I want you to, to, to do this future. Uh, his, his name was Abraham, and, uh, his, but his family, they were all idolaters. In fact, they were uh, the ancient Sumerians, uh, and, and we know from world history, that was one of the first civilized cultures, and it was, but it was all about, uh, it, it was all about self-exaltation. There was a lot of demonic activity, so much of it was inspired by Nimrod. That's where the Tower of Babel was. That's, it was a really, really bad. He, Abraham did not come from a good family. Can I just put it that way? Abraham, Abraham come from a messed up family. All right, now, you're, now you, you got it because you all came from messed up families too, okay? <laughs> so, so God called this man 
out of the land and God created, God says, you're going to create future and legacy for yourself, for your descendants and for everyone else that you touch. Now I want you to look at the story in Genesis chapter 17 verse one. Follow along because this is really insightful as, as far as what God wants to do with you. It says, when Abram was 99 years old, which tells us right there, age is not an issue with God. God will, can reverse your life. God can change things. You're not too old for God to, to turn it all around for you or too young. <laughs> the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. And look at this. Here's what God's going to say to him. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Then I'll make my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. So God gave him a promise. He said, if you do this, if you do this, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to set up this covenant with you. So, but the cool thing is, is God didn't really set up this probationary time period. You, you get a new job, you get a new job, and, and, and you go to that job, and they say, okay, for the next three months, you're on probation. And, and some, of the, some companies, the probation is pretty intense. Like, you come in late one day, it's like, sorry, you're gone. You know, you had your chance, you blew it, bye. Don't ever come back again. You know, they just, at, at will, we'll just let you go for whatever reason. You know what I'm talking about. And so, so but God didn't set Abraham up on a probationary period, and he doesn't with you either. Because look what happens in the very next verse. So Abraham didn't spend 45 years trying to please God and show God how good he could be. It just says, Abram fell face down. That's all he did. He didn't even say anything back to God. He's just like, okay. And God saw that and said, okay, great. Now I can see that you're on your way. Let me go ahead and speak the blessing over you. Do you realize that's what happened? What, what does that say about you? God's not waiting for you to perform. God's not waiting for you to show off how perfect and good and wonderful you are before he's gonna start setting you up for future and destiny. He, he just says, start living it now. Just start living it now. So what he did, he did an act of worship. That's all it was. It was just simply an act of worship. He didn't even say a word and God says this. As for me, this is my covenant with you you will be the father of many nations. (laughs) And then he changes his name. He said, no longer you will be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham, for I have made you the father of many nations. God changed his name. And it's just like when we become born again, our name is changed as well. Now you still have your same old name, I'm sure you do, but there's a new name that's a new identity that's on you. You've heard of the term Christian, right? Christian. That word Christian means little Christ. You just got like a little Jesus. Now I know, you know, in reality you're not like little Jesuses, but in, in reality you kind of are. <laughs> that's, that's, that's actually the beauty of what God has, has designed for us. He gives us this name. It's called the mark of God. You become a Christian and now you carry a new identity. You have a new identity as a follower of God, a Christian. And that's what God does for you as well. So he changes our name. And then he says, I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant. That's important because it's not based upon time. It is, well, it it is based upon time. It's just mean forever. It's gonna keep going and going and going, which this happened somewhat 4,000 years ago and it's still going on today, all right? It says, there's everlasting covenant between me and you 
and your descendants after you for the generations to come. He didn't say for five or 10 generations. He said for the generations to come to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. And then he makes this promise. He says, the whole land of Canaan where you now reside as a foreigner, I will give as an everlasting possession to you and the descendants after you and I'll be their God. Isn't it interesting that this is what God was telling him about the land of Canaan where he came to, which is now called Israel. His, his grandson was, was, was actually then named Israel. This, this land, Israel, exists as a nation today and this was the inception of it. Do you see that? So we talk about everlasting coming. We're talking about thousands of years. Thousands of years. Thousands. U.S. is what, 250 years old? <laughs> That is nothing compared to what God set up there. That's how, that's how the covenant works. So God's going to keep blessing and blessing and blessing and blessing and blessing. But I think the cra- crazy thing about this is Abraham's past didn't infect his future. His idolatrous family background, it did not prevent him for, from establishing a new normal for his life. He established a legacy. He established a future. In fact, the scriptures tell us that we are also spiritual sons of Abraham. See, if you've given your life to Jesus, you have the legacy and the blessing of Abraham upon your life because it actually flows through Jesus. Jesus has literally would have had the blood of Abraham or the DNA of Abraham in him, but we are spiritual sons of Christ, which means we're spiritual sons of Abraham. That blessing is on us too. That's kind of cool, guys. So think about it. No matter what happened in your past, doesn't have to control your future. You have a legacy. That goes right through Abraham, and you're a recipient of it, and you get to pass it along to others, not, not necessarily through your own DNA, but through the blood of Jesus. That's why the church is so important. Legacy is something that we pass along, and it's the power of Jesus. The legacy actually works best in atmospheres of community. And the power of community really causes, causes legacy to flourish because where there's community, um, the, the, the thing, things actually begin to become more and more rich with this. That's why, that's why families are important. Now, families are actually the building block of community and family is where legacy is imparted uh, throughout, throughout homes and families. I do understand and realize that most homes and families are fractured. And most people don't necessarily have a very positive view of family because of that. And, and I, I just want to say that God set up family. Just because some bad stuff happened in your family doesn't mean that that's not God's building block, all right? You can actually change things for your future. You can. See, and a step beyond the home family is what we call the church family. And this is where we function as community. So legacy is created in the home family, but it's also created in the church community. Legacy is created here. See, this is the place where people's futures are set into motion. See, here's an example of how this works. God speaks to an individual and he gives you a personal promise and he gives you a personal promise and you and you and you and you. And when we all come together though with those personal promises, it's like there's an explosion of promise among us. See, in this atmosphere, faith dreams are celebrated and they are challenged and we are going to get behind faith dreams. 
And another thing, I'll be talking about this more tonight, but God gives us all spiritual gifts. And when we come together as a community, as the local church, as the church family, then it creates an explosion of God's power, which causes destinies to be set into motion and strongholds of the past are broken and they're shattered and people are healed. You know, I'm telling you guys, the way the gospel is set up, you cannot and you must not live in your past. Another thing that, holds us back from living in our can actually be victories. You know, you might have this wall full of medals and awards and certificates and plaques and all these things and ribbons, and that's eh, good. I have no problem with that at all. Nothing's wrong with that. But you know what? That can't be your focus because that happened in your past. Celebrate it for the day. Put it up there as a nice reminder of what, what God allowed you to do, but that doesn't create legacy for you because that's in the rearview mirror. You ever tried driving down the highway, driving down Interstate 30 or worse, 35, looking in your rearview mirror? You're gonna crash, baby, all right? I know how these roads are. I know how these, these drivers are, and you're one of them, and I'm one of them too. You can't look in the rearview mirror and expect to get to your destination. Stop looking at your, your previous victories. You gotta stop. If you don't stop doing that, you're gonna crash. You can't get into your destiny. I'm really... The kingdom philosophy of this is, is really summed up in a little statement is to honor the past and build for the future. Honor your past, yeah. Honor your past, but you don't stay there. You, you honor that past, but the, the legacy actually works great when you do honor the past and you might say, but there's no, no, nothing good in my past to honor. Yes, there is. You can find something. Like, well, you can argue with me all day, and then if you say, well, I can't find anything, well, has Jesus Christ come into your life? Yes, absolutely. Then you have something in your past to build upon. There is something in your past to build upon. That's where you begin building legacy. And so we build legacy on the things of the past, and that becomes fuel and energy for our future. It always motivates me to think about the past, the good and the bad, and and uh, I, I have to think about how good God has been to us here at City Life. I mean, back in the early days of our church, life was, I mean, it was tough. It was, it was really, really tough. And the, the way it worked at that time is everybody who went here did everything back then. I mean, you just, you just did everything. There was no excuse. I, I, I would make a joke when I talked to other ministers about what, what, how this church was started. I was like, basically, it was like this. People would walk in the door, and I would say, do you kind of like like God? I mean, is God like cool to you? And they would go, yeah. Okay, great. You're in charge of this. And so that, that was pretty much the way it was. And, and it, that's, and, and, and we've, we've always decided that we're going to continue to make it real easy for people to get on, because that's part of who we are. It's, uh, easy for people to jump in. But back in the early days, we did something on Fridays. Uh, we, did, we did a noon service because we were doing Sunday church. Like, well, nobody even knows we're here. <laughs> they can't even find us. And so we started doing this thing called Friday church um, for, for the neighborhood. Now, during that time, though, I was running a company in Waxahachie. And, and, uh, but I had worked there, and I'd run that company for a little over two years, but I had felt that I had felt like I wasn't supposed to take any of my vacation time. I was supposed to let, just let it add up because at that company, it would add up. Like if you work here at City Life, no, after the end of the year, it's gone. But, uh, but it would add up and add up and add up. And, uh, and at one point, I'd be able to take off this extra time. And I felt God saying, you're not gonna take vacations because that's gonna be an offering to me. I didn't know what that meant. I didn't have much money at that time. So it was like, well, I have time that time is going to be an offering to God. And the idea came and talked to the owner of the business and 
So I began taking every Friday off, one vacation day every Friday. I was able to do that for, for almost uh, two full years, able to do that by taking vacation day, a vacation day to come out here. And I brought my sons, Preston, Devin, and Ian, and we would come out here and we would set up round tables and all that kind of stuff. And we would, we would have a little lunch thing and have a catered lunch and we'd do a 40 minute service and people would come, come in here. We'd put maybe 30, 40, 50 people in here. There'd be people from the neighborhood from, you know, some people would come over from apartments across the street. People would come in from some of the local businesses and it was all within walking distance. Very few people drove in. People just walk into church and, and we would do the service and it was just us. I mean, Donna Griggs, she was like one of our first converts so she was over there at, uh, working at Burnett Plaza. Many of you know Donna, she's, she's, one, she's like our official church grandma but uh, she was working over there at, at, uh, at, at, at Burnett Plaza and she came over one day because I had handed out some flyers over there and, and she came in and she stayed with us. I mean, she just, she just stayed with us and, and, and has been with us ever since and, and uh, some of our elders were actually part of that whole start, that whole movement movement. But, you know, we would come in here and we would work, 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 work. And then at the end, everybody would go home and we would clean up the mess. And then we would leave the space better than we found it. We have a little saying around here, we leave the space, we leave every space better than we found it. And that's because we have no janitors here. <laughs> you know, that, that, that's where we started. That's the way we still function. Leave the space better than we found it, so we did, and, and uh, we clean everything up and put the tables away and set the chairs up for Sunday morning and vacuum the floors, get it all done, and and then head out. And this went on week after week after week. I mean, my boys, they was like, Dad, why are we doing this? Like, because God just wants us to plant seed, and and there was no glory in that. There wasn't. But what happened is there was a life changed here, and a life changed there and another was changed here, and another was changed there, and the word started getting out about our church. And then people that were coming to Friday church, they said, well, we can come to Sunday church too. <laughs> and so they said, except we didn't serve food. It was just, it was just a real church. So, they, so actually our church started growing as a result of that. And today we're actually reaping the results of hard work and seed that was sown during the early days that was just a lot of work. But here's the deal. We are walking in blessing and we are living our legacy today because we lived our legacy back then when it was hard. Because our focus has always been about future possibilities. Let that be the focus of your life. That's legacy. So we honor the early days, and, but, but we don't want to stay there. No way. We want to move into the future. And it's always kind of been this question about us, you know, what will future generations say about us? What will they say about you? What will they say about our church? I mean, what will people 20 years from now say about City Life Church? Will they marvel at the move of God that happened in 2019 and just flourished in 2020? That's in the future, but I hope so. We can't make the future happen necessarily for the future generations, but we can set them up to win. And I want to set the future generations up to win by watching God do something wonderful now. That's why I say we should live our legacy today, today, today. I think we should take the scriptures like Psalm 112 and just make it models for our life and understand how it works. I want you to look at Psalm 112. It's here on the screen. Verse one says this. It starts off like most Psalms. Praise the Lord. You know, praise the Lord. Okay, that's a command to praise the Lord. But I want you to be thinking, come on, you guys are intelligent people. I want you to think through this with me. It says, praise the Lord. Blessed are those who fear the Lord. That's like people who honor God. So first is worship, okay, worship. Honor God. 
And then the third part is who find great delight in his commands. So that is talking about people who love the word of God. So basically what he's saying here is, is be a worshiper, honor God, love the word of God and, and, and delight in it, which means get excited about it. He gives us those three things. And then what happens to people who do that? What happens to a church that does that? What happens to a family that does that? Well, look at verse two, because here it is. It says, the children will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be what? Blessed. Blessing flows when you live with the end in mind. And it's time for us to stop walking around in circles. Uh, it's, it's, it's time for you. Some of you may just be walking around in circles thinking about yourself all the time. It's time to end that. Some of you, you're, you're trying to find yourself, and that's, a, that's kind of a popular thing in our culture. I need to find myself, and, and uh, a lot of people are saying that. Some of you may feel that, but, but I really believe that finding yourself is rooted in a lack of family, um, uh, even a misunderstanding or a lack of personal identity, very likely fatherlessness or, or absentee father situations. But here's the truth. Church is designed to combat this thing of needing to find yourself. Because you don't need to keep looking for yourself. You don't. I know some people have spent years still hunting for themselves. <laughs> I, I want to tell you something, guys. Everyone in this room, I can see you. I can see you. I, you're right there. I found you. And you want to know how to find yourself? Just look, 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 look at your hands. Look, come on, just look at your hands. Look at them. Look, you can see them. You can see right there. Boom, boom. You have just found yourself. You've just found yourself. We get wrapped up in searching for ourselves, and we're like, wait a minute, I was here the whole time. This thing, this little story came out in the media, and I just about died when I saw the story. But I want you to look at this. This, this is right here for you to look at. It says, "The missing woman mystery is solved." I just got to read this to you here because it says a group of tourists spent hours Saturday night looking for a missing, missing woman near Iceland's canyon only to find her among the search party. Okay, now I'm going to read on. They, this is good literature here. They grab you with the first paragraph, okay? The group is traveling. You can tell it's British because they have an extra L there. The group is traveling through Iceland on a tour bus and stopped near a volcanic canyon. Soon there was word of a missing passenger. The woman, who had changed her clothes, didn't recognize the description of herself and she joined in the search. <laughs> but the search was called off at about three stinking a.m. Three a.m., you get that three a.m. when it became clear that the missing woman was in fact accounted for and searching for herself. The whole time she was looking for herself. You know, there's no reason to keep doing this thing of looking for yourself. You wanna know how to stop, stop you, know what, you wanna know how to find yourself? First of all, you need to stop trying. Stop trying to find yourself because actually all you're gonna do is keep going in circles. Here it is, and get ready. These are gonna go up on the screen fast and once they're all up there, you may wanna take a picture of it, but I want you to get this. First of all, know who you are in Jesus. You're a child of God and God has set you apart. Secondly is to know your gifts and we're gonna be talking more about that tonight. Third, know your cultural streets. Those are the, that's the area of the, the world that, you are, that you're naturally excel in. Be in the word of God. Be in a relentless pursuit of growth and then <laughs> Set up a life mission statement 
or something. Now, I, I've told people this before. Set up some kind of a life mission statement for yourself. And they're like, I can't. It's hard. You know, but it's, I, I got to get it right. I got to put it on a plaque on the wall. And then I have to use it as my screensaver, my, my wallpaper. And I don't even know. <laughs> what if I put the wrong word in there? Okay. In, instead of calling it a life mission statement, just do something, okay? Just, just write out something for your life that speaks to your heart, that makes your heart beat fast. And you should be able to write it very quickly. It may not be refined and perfect. It's like the, the Church I Dream statement. I wrote that probably in about 30, maybe 45 minutes. And, you know, I refined a few little verbs, but a few little words in there, but 99% of that is exactly the way that I wrote it out the first time. And I'm telling you guys, all you have to do is set up a life mission. That is so important. You do all these things, but if you do that, that helps you to know that when like a door opens up and, and here's an opportunity and it lines up with your life mission statement or something, then you can say, I think I'll stick my nose in this direction. I think I might walk through this door. You understand that? You see that? Yeah, and I'll just tell you right, right here. Part of my life mission, I knew that God had told me years and years ago that I was supposed to go do something new in the heart of a large city. I knew that, but didn't know what that meant. But when this opportunity came my way, I said, hey, it matches up with my life mission statement. I'm going to jump in here. Now I just need a few mentors to jump in here and say, Tim, yeah, you're, you're, you're doing the right thing. And they did. And, and then, boom, here we are, guys. Bottom line is live your legacy today. Just start living it. Give up allowing your sketchy past to control you your mistakes and your failures and your hurts, the abuse and the neglect that was dished out to you. And I say, man, I'm still living in it. No, you're not, because if it was your past, it's your past. Your past can be five seconds ago. Leave the past in the past. Stop being controlled by memories of your faulty past, because it's a new day. Old things have passed away. All things have become new, and your best really is yet to come. And begin to live in the day. Live your legacy now, today, today, now. Your future is built upon today's decisions. And then keep your eyes on Jesus and surge forward. Scripture tells us this. Those who hope in the Lord, the Lord, you focus on him. Those who hope in the Lord will soar on wings like eagles. You're going to run and you're not going to get weary. You're going to walk and you won't faint. And that is God's word for you today. I'd like for there to be no movement in the auditorium right now. Just please, every head bowed and eye closed. I want you to lock yourself in with God. Lock yourself in with God. Maybe you're here today and you've never surrendered your life completely to Jesus. Possibly you've drifted from a relationship with God. And you want to know the Jesus that I talk about and that I share about. You want that sin to be forgiven. You want the past just to be dissolved you're ready to move forward in your life, then I want to pray with you. Because today, it's time for you to live. If you want to be included in my closing prayer, make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. It's very simple. When I count to three, I want you to lift your hand. When you lift your hand, that's my way of knowing that I, I will connect my faith with you. And then we'll all pray together. I believe God wants to set you're free and into your destiny. Will you lift your hand? One, two, three. If that's you, lift your hand. Thank you. Thank you. You can put your hands down. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. If you lifted your hand, I want you plus everyone else in this room, all the entire congregation of believers to please stand. Will you stand at this time? And I want to ask you to pray these words with me. Come on, if you lifted your hands, pray this out. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying for my sin.
I believe you're the son of God. Please forgive my sins. It's now time for me to live. I give up my past and I embrace the wonderful future that you have for me. Thank you for legacy. Thank you that I now have legacy that I will pass along. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to say to those of you who lifted your hand, welcome to the family of God. Welcome. Today we celebrate. Come on, we celebrate. Have you discovered your street of influence? Whether it be family, government, business, arts and entertainment, faith, health and vitality, or education, head over to culturalstreets.com and discover your street today.